Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea. I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning in to the Tate Chronicles. Join me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. I'm really pleased today. My guest is a long, long-time uh, colleague and friend, Josh Troop. Josh is the principal at Troop Creative, which provides marketing leadership for health and medical tech innovators. Josh is a seasoned veteran who leverages his 20-plus years of commercial leadership in healthcare technology. Josh, good morning, and thanks for joining the Take Chronicles. Good morning, Jeb. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I'm glad to be speaking with you today, Josh, because I want to understand some of the economic issues and trends relative to the current state and future of the medical tech industry. So let me kind of kick off one thing I've been thinking about quite a bit, and I imagine you have some uh, comments on it, and that's the issue of aligning business and clinical needs. There's obviously some difficulties of aligning business strategies with the true real-world needs of healthcare settings and deliveries. What are your thoughts on that, Josh? Cool. Yeah. Um, Servicing the healthcare industry uh, are thousands of software or medical device or other technology companies, service companies that are um, often backed by, uh, or, or let's say started by someone with a, a great idea to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll go through multiple iterations, product will go through or service will go through multiple iterations. There'll be, a, at some point, there'll be lots of alignment with some clinical need or some uh, specific process in that space. And what'll happen is uh, the orgs I have worked for will often <clears throat> lose sight of they'll they'll start the process of iterating product or they'll start the process of going through uh, you know the agile process with with a software solution and I often find that there there's a tendency not all the time but there's a tendency for those orgs to become a slightly disconnected from the clinical setting. Mm-hmm. Um, in in other instances, orgs might or companies might start a a product cycle for one um, setting, uh, but might not necessarily that setting might the product might not necessarily be built for the other settings. And what I mean by that is that within our healthcare industrial complex. in the United States, we have uh, all these regs, rules, and laws, all of this regulatory kind of need and or regulatory um, impetus for that has led to the creation of a lot of products. And orgs will somewhat, I I think orgs have the tendency to become slightly disconnected from all of the, the complexity that is in the healthcare space and all of the ever changing uh, dynamics that are within the healthcare space. And so I've spent a lot of time uh, being a student of 
first the regulatory area because that drives a lot of the procedural uh, process and, and, and et cetera for the clinicians in, let's say, the acute care space or the ambulatory space or whatever. And what I have found is that there is a tendency to become slightly you know, disconnected from the reality on the ground in the healthcare setting. Um, another reality that needs to be injected often into a product life cycle uh, or a roadmap would be the concept of just the an individual that you might be targeting within a hospital to sell a product, for example. They have hundreds of other things that they do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, clinicians, namely, are being clinicians. You know, if you're if right. you're working with nurses, if you're working with uh, physicians, or or maybe you're working with techs, um, and you often when you're selling into a hospital, you're selling a product, you're selling a solution to an organization, not necessarily an individual. So all the other people that might be in that influence uh, or power mapping of of that org so for instance the cio the cio has a thousand things that they care about the cno or chief nursing officer or chief medical officer has a thousand things that they care about um and so a a lot of companies can also really start to uh, stray from you know just just the empathy for what those people are dealing with on their day-to-day basis you know uh, you wake up in the morning. You're a you're a software executive uh, for a health tech company. Uh, you wake up the morning. You know the first. You, you're thinking about sales. You're thinking about uh, revenue. You're thinking about a board meeting. You're thinking about whatever. You know who within the org is actually waking up thinking about you know problems that that exist beyond your product scope in the healthcare setting. And so I spent I've spent a lot of my career. Being that kind of empathetic voice of the customer uh, for the clinicians in particular, and that has helped me uh, bring more of a nuanced approach to how we commercialize products. Uh, but it also, in the commercial setting, there's also the implementation. There's also the product mm, uh, sure. management piece. There's all there's all these other areas. So I I tend to. Uh, try to impart upon the teams that I have worked with in the past and currently work with this sense of like, yes, we're developing a product that maybe uh, may solve a specific problem as it relates to, you know, let's say clinical workflow or, or clinical communications. But do you have a strong understanding of, of what these people are also contending with in their day-to-day lives in the clinical setting? And so by doing that, by having these, by injecting that into the process, it's, it's not some arbitrary uh, concept. Uh, it actually, particularly in the marketing space, it allows me to craft messaging and, and hone a strategy that is a little more realistic. And I think it can be conveyed very easily uh, to those clinicians uh, even in the pitch of the deal mechanics that you're doing with your sales teams, all these different things, you have this, if you can have a connection with these people, because ultimately that's what it comes down to. Uh, you need to connect with these individuals. You need to have a real conversation. 
salespeople are, are pretty good at this, right? Of, of, of connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you need your whole org oriented around this because uh, it also it also gives you a great sense of what's coming. Um, you can look at the regulatory market and you can see money being allocated towards a new setting or whatever. But you can also look at uh, the regulatory market and see that these are par- perhaps roadblocks uh, that are being uh, put in front of the clinicians often. Uh, particularly nursing, good grief. Uh, we, <laughs> we keep piling on nursing um, every time we come up with a new idea. But um, that allows us to have, in, in the health tech and the med tech space, to actually have real conversations and start to look at broader implications of not only our product and what it does, but uh, you know the clinical ecosystem. Uh, are we complicating the clinical ecosystem is a, is a great exactly. question to ask. Sure. You, you know, w- one thing, Josh, that occurs to me that, uh, and I've seen this many times, I, I know you have also, is somebody that's on the uh, uh, vendor side or this or the startup side, uh, side of things, uh, they come up w- with a great idea. And just because it's a great idea uh, and the technology gets developed does not mean that there will be widespread adoption. Um, uh, sometimes it's predictable, uh, uh, but sometimes it's unpredictable. I can think of two cases. Um, uh, uh, EHR adoption uh, had been stalled at maybe 20 to 25% uh, for a number of years, and all of a sudden the federal government poured billions and billions of dollars uh, uh, into helping providers um, Acquire and implement electronic um, healthcare systems, uh, and so that was, uh, uh, and so um, you know, um, uh, have the government uh, stimulate that. You know, we didn't know that was going to happen. Another example is all the folks who did development <clears throat> and thought that telehealth was a great idea, had all the technology out there. It really was not graining traction until March of 2020 when COVID hit. Uh, and then anybody who had that technology sitting on the shelf immediately had massive adoption. So there's a predictable nature uh, you know, to adoption, but also this kind of a randomness, it seems like. Hey, yeah, uh, so just a, just a conversation, quick, quick sure. point on adoption that I've learned. I mean, adoption, so a lot of, a lot of what is has kind of led my career is this B2B approach, you know, where business to business sales, a business business kind of commercial um, mm-hmm. operation. And so you tend to think uh, you tend to think at that business level. Hey, and I know I just said this, but like, you're, you know, you, the deal mechanics of selling to a hospital or to to a large payer or whatever, sure. you're, you're you're bringing in all these individuals. You're you're kind of mapping who to contact and all these types of things, and that's all very important work. But you forget uh, sometimes that adoption is literally um, is a is is more of a consumer behavior, and uh, with the with with the emphasis on the word behavior. And so there's a lot in behavior science that that can help people understand. I think I think a lot of companies do a really good job 
at UX design, for example, and mm -hmm. making sure the product, uh, but UX design in some instances is a very 2D way of looking at things. Um, but they do a great job of de developing maybe a user interface that is, is, you know, using principles of consumer behavior uh, and psycho psychological behavior uh, to, you know, create a, a usable interface. Um, the problem often, you know, to kind of go back to something that I learned early on in, in when I was doing sales uh, into the compliance space, uh, working for a compliance software company and risk management company was, you know, just because a regulatory, let's say HIPAA, for example, HIPAA comes out and overnight, uh, thousands of companies uh, are formed to to address this uh, big yep. question as to, <laughs> oh, what is the risk associated with HIPAA to my org and all these types of things. And this was even, this was prior to HIPAA even having teeth, right? Like uh, it wasn't until later with Aura and some other things that HIPAA actually gained the teeth, like eight, 10 years later. Uh, and, and, and so, hey, let's address this uh, mystery of, of HIPAA and, and we'll go in with kind of an interpretation of that and we'll sell this application to the, uh, to the space and you know, do all this amazing uh, work. And then it wasn't until years later when HIPAA actually had you know, the, the actual uh, you know, ramifications for a breach or something that the, the true companies existed. Yes. Um, yeah, so the, there's this concept that <clears throat> that just because you might have a great idea and just because it might, uh, you know, be able to make sense on paper, you still have to, when you're, when you're going and talking to an org, you still have to make sure that it fits within the ecosystems. Uh, for example, the, you, you walk around a booth uh, or a trade show and you see the word interoperability, interoperability written yes. everywhere, right? Uh, interoperability is a great concept. And, you know, with certain things like FHIR, FHIR, uh, right now, that that is becoming more of reality. But, you know, ultimately, you're dealing with, with uh, you know, the, the big EHRs are still fairly locked down in terms of the getting to the data sets that you might need. So you're not only... You might, you're not only having to develop a product uh, with this kind of broad concept of, of you know, hey, this is going to solve a problem and this is a great idea. I, I, I work with an org called the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs, and these are entrepreneurs that are that are that are screaming out of the healthcare setting with these great ideas. Uh, and you know, a product, you know, it's great. It, if it's nuanced, but unfortunately, nuanced products are often relegated to the settings that they're that they're being devel developed for. Private equity may not necessarily want to fund an org that is so specifically oriented around one area. Like if like if if you have a product that is specifically for a unit within a hospital, well, that inherently limits the the viability of that product in terms of like getting that series a yes. uh, kind of investment to, sure. to do some of the big development and hire the people that you need to do that. So the complexities, uh, it's not just a great idea. It's the great idea as it washes across the shore 
of this massive uh, and, and complex environment that we're selling into. Uh, the regulatory side is just one dynamic that we look at. The There are broad dynamics uh, related to the the economy, where the economy is currently with, uh, uh, there's so much M&A in the, uh, at least right now, in, still in the hospital setting. Yes. Uh, there's mm-hmm. things like GPOs to contend with. So anytime anyone is looking at developing a product like this, there is a huge amount of, it's not, I, I don't look at this necessarily as strategy, but it is, there's a strategy to, the strategy is, is, really needs to be informed by these dynamics. And right now we're seeing a massive amount of layoffs uh, within the health tech space uh, across the board that I think the a lot of companies are losing that really important brain trust, that that baseline empathy uh, for mm. for what we're for what they're selling into. So a good idea is 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 simply that. Um, you it's really the hard work and the the viewpoint and the kind of the point of view that is is within the org and 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 the people that they have often is, is are often overlooked unfortunately let, let me uh, uh mention our audience if you're just joining us i'm jim tate on this episode of the tate chronicles i'm speaking with josh troop of troop creative you know uh one thing you've kind of touched on a little bit uh Josh is uh, the regulatory challenges. You know, uh, organizations uh, in this domain, they really have to stay up to date, adapt to what we know is going to be changing regulations um, in, in healthcare really forever. Yes, not only forever, but dynamically every single day. I, I worked for the past year with a clinical AI startup. Um, yeah with a really interesting product and um, all of the hitting a lot of these areas in terms of efficacy and regulatory and everything, right? And uh, headed by a very dynamic founder um, who is also kind of an original, she, her name's uh, Dr. Uh, Stucci Saria. She, she calls her, Selfie, the OG at clinical AI, and it's true. She's she's uh, she's amazing. Uh, but even just we, I had been working there for about eight months at the time in the in the marketing role, and um, we had been working through a strategy. We had been working that commercial strategy and marketing strategy. We had all ducks in a row in so many different areas, uh, and even knowing that it was coming down, it was still. Uh, it was still slightly surprising that the whole software as a medical device market uh, became quote unquote regulated by the FDA, meaning that we did software as a medical device needed that 510k uh, certification or, or from the FDA. So um, <clears throat> things can change very, very rapidly, even if you do have inroads into and an understanding of the regulatory space. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that regulatory constraint can change. There's also complexity in that from state to state and, and even, even certain designations within, you know, so let's say uh, acute care, but it's, it's, you know, 25 beds or less. So it's critical access. It just, there are different regs 
uh, how the regs and rules and laws apply are slightly different. Sure. Uh, and and in some instances, those orgs also you 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 have to take a different measured approach to them. Not only not only a pricing approach because they might be smaller orgs, but uh, you you have to look at these uh, these orgs at in terms of how they are. Uh, looked at by CMS or by the state or how they get their funding or whatever. So there's that regulatory constraint is is dynamic in so many different directions. And it really is what is the basis of uh, of the healthcare industry. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's really interesting. D Josh, one thing you mentioned, and we only have about five more minutes, so I, I definitely wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, since you've been uh, involved and, and watched these trends over time. And that, uh, you mentioned AI. Uh, and so uh, it is amazing to me that almost any developer or vendor in the healthcare space is claiming that they are AI enabled, even if they are not really using the true power and sophistication of AI. You, you see oh, it yeah. everywhere now. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, so one of the big things we did, haven't really talked about is how how companies are funded. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, right now, private equity, uh, which funds most of these early stage startups and and everything else, uh, and 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 mid stage companies, AI is definitely what is being funded now. So in some instances, that might be a play to the market. You often you often find in companies like I found throughout my career, you have to tow two two lines when you're when you're trying to you know uh, commercialize a product and and make a company successful. You have to tow uh, at the high level the board and the private equity firms who may not have the highest degree of understanding of the product in the market uh and you have to kind of you know meet that double digit growth annually and all these mm -hmm. different things uh and then then there is a service to the actual market and the problem you're trying to solve uh good executives can balance that um and so that is that's often what you see uh so beyond the beyond the concept that perhaps <laughs> some of that is a play to get funding or or to to be relevant in the space uh right now the ai there's different types of AI, uh, of course. There's generative AI. Uh, I happen to work in the clinical AI space. Um, I will say this, having been exposed to uh, the, the true power of really good AI, yes. uh, you, you learn a couple of very interesting salient points moving forward. A, uh, AI is amazing. It is it is truly, and all it is is just the iteration of the technologies we've already had. We've seen we've seen big data uh, <clears throat> kind of blend into what we're looking at right now, and the ability to to take data sets from the EHR, for example, and find relevant and because there's no way cognitively for a human to to use that data. Uh, we also have to recognize that AI has already been deployed in the healthcare space for ten years or longer. You. <laughs> Most notably in its spam filtering, but all the way through, mm. like uh, you see it on the fintech side, and you see it within the, you know, uh, how they manage uh, population health and all sorts of things. But I think the big buzz today around clinical AI and some of this is that 
the, the, it's the promise of augmentation, of clinical augmentation, or, uh, you know, we see it in the radiological space. Absolutely. Of, it's just so, it's just so great. The technology is great. Uh, some interesting things I things that I've learned over the course of the last year, though, is that the data sets that often are employed by these AI systems are, um, in a lot of ways, they are informed by studies that do have inherent biases. Uh, there are a lot of people who are talking about bias as being a big problem, and it is. It truly is because it is what's informing your data. But uh, a lot of AI can learn um, these models can be used to to learn and do some really interesting things. So um, I think uh, it's how that AI system is built. It's how those models are, you know, are those models dynamic and can continue to learn or are they fixed? You know, mm. are they monolithic? Does it yes. ingest structure and unstructured data? So there's all sorts of amazing things in the AI space. And I think that that AI is, is here to stay. Um, the second thing, though, is that depending on the deployment and what you're trying to sell, uh, there's still a lot of reticency within the healthcare space, within acute care to, to buy these things. They are still being, you know, I mentioned the HIPAA rush. Uh, so many people are saying that they're AI and doing AI, uh, you know, at one part of their org or one part of their product that a lot of hospitals have learned over the years that not to adopt immediately to be very careful and measured about what they're doing and not make the same decisions that they made when start mm. happened, when HIPAA happened, when the EHR yes, uh, sure. thing happened, et cetera. So, sure. well, that, you know, th that note of caution is important. You know, uh, uh, you know, there's that old saying, those who are committed to the leading edge of technology will usually be sacrificed upon it. Um, I can't, I can't, can't believe it, Josh. But we're almost out of time. We're going to have to have you back uh, again. But before we say goodbye to everybody, um, how can our listeners find out more about your services or contact information? Where should they go? Sure. Uh, so easy enough. It's uh, Josh Troop, T R O O P, like a Girl Scout troop. Mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, the website is troop-creative.com. Okay. Uh, yeah. T yep. Uh, Troop-creative.com. Uh, yes, well, great. Uh, well, to our audience, thanks for joining me today on this episode of Take Chronicles. I offer a special salute to my guest, Josh Troop of Troop Creative. Josh, thanks for coming aboard today. Thanks, Jim. And I love catching up with you anytime we can. Yep. I enjoyed it. You can find more information on this show's program page at healthcarenowradio.com. That's healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tape Chronicles transmission ending now.